This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. All right, this evening I'll do it for this week and next week. I want to share on uh, the different types of prayers that is found in the New Testament. And uh, this is very, 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 very important. All right? I mean, a Christian casually will just read that and consider everything there to be prayer. But if Paul itemized and defined the activity, one as supplication, the second as prayers, the third as intercessions, and then the fourth or intercession as giving of thanks. Now, prayer is basically communication with God. In other words, our communication with him. And here he is very specific about it. And he even puts it in a certain order. He said, first of all, that is, if we read literally, let it be offered up in this order. First, supplications. Second, prayers. So what he calls prayers here are different from supplications. All right, in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about, I believe verse 18, it talks about praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So if he said supplication, he meant something. If he said prayer, he meant something. If he, when he said intercession, he meant something. So I'll look at these four different types of prayer and I will zero in on the prayer of supplication this evening. And the prayer of supplication, just to define quickly, is actually a, it's petitioning God for something in particular. The second, which is called prayer, is actually the intense activity when you are actually praying. For example, it is defines the very act of prayer. You know when the Bible says the effectual and fervent prayer of the righteous man. So I can be, I mean, give an example here. By strolling and I'm in a prayer meeting, I am not doing that thing called prayer. If I'm just doing All right? Do uh, you get what I'm saying here? I'm, I'm just telling you this here. Okay? I want to say something. I don't know what I should say. <laughs> no, I want to say something. Now, I, I want to say something. I don't want people to be in bondage to what I'm saying. But I want to say something. Uh, and there was a day your 
pastor told everybody, and I, uh, she thought I was, it was a trick question. I was thinking, but it was something spiritual she did. She told I, I was I watched after. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a Sunday service. So he told everybody to kneel down in worship, and everybody in the church knelt down. And uh, I said, uh, you tell everybody to kneel down. I said, no. The truth about the matter is that when it comes to worship, the word worship, there has to be a physical posture that demonstrates it. You can't be worshiping at oh, Jesus. You, you get what I'm saying here? There has to be, that's why it says, and we will kneel and bow down. It's, it's a physical posture there that actually demonstrates it. And if you have difficulty taking that spirit, any posture is pride. If you say, I cannot kneel down, what's your problem now? Uh, do you get what I'm saying here? I'm, I'm not saying that everybody that kneels is worshiping. No. Get what I'm saying here? But if it's time and everybody goes, for example, the, during the uh, worship experience with Mr. Joseph, I almost went to collect the mic and tell everybody at this stage, kneel down. I almost collected it to tell people that kneel down, but I felt I would disturb his flow. All right? But you can, there's a, there's a posture that when you get into worship there, that you prostrate, all right, before the Lord. You kneel before him. You bow before him. There's, or even if you lift up your hands in a certain way, but there's a posture that a person takes. And if a person can't take that posture, then it means that there is actually a problem. Because the Bible says, yield your members as instruments of what? Righteousness. So there's the use of the physical body in obedience to God. All right? So the very acts of prayer is the intensity in the prayer. For example, we see Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 42. You can see the intensity there in what he was doing. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. It was that, that, that you can see intensity, no distraction, and that's why he did that, from any other thing. I was solely engaged in the spiritual, intense spiritual activity to get something done there. And he told the servant, go and check, all right, until you see the sign there in the heavens. For Jesus, we see in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, he entered, the Bible says, and in prayer, all right, all right, in prayer, the Bible speaks about the fact that, all right, Jesus prayed. All right, read, let's put Luke 24 too. And he said, Father, if thou be willing, nevertheless, then what I will be done. Next verse. And then the Bible says, and there appeared unto him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Verse 44. And then he says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. That's what we're talking about there. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, I had a very good friend. In fact, it was through him, Bishop Wilego came to speak to us on campus fellowship for the first time. His father was a deacon in Winners. This is the first set of deacons. And, you know, when Bishop preaches, as we talk about sweatless increase, you know, this sweatless increase, he used to say, in fact, effortless increase. 
So, you know, people can misunderstand what you are saying with the, with, the, with the brain. Not knowing that the Bible says labor to enter into rest. It's after you've entered into rest, there's sweatless increase. But you labor to enter. Do you get what we're saying here? So, when you're talking from a position of rest, you say sweatless increase. But there's a labor to get in there. So, he used to do sweatless. He didn't know what they used to do in the background. Sweatless increase. So, one day, he said, Bishop called them to pray. Let's hold hands. He said, and they held hands. And the man didn't let go. And he was there for three hours. His trousers were soaked in sweat. He said, <laughs> are you following what I'm saying here? He said, what are you talking about? In fact, Pastor Ibiome said one day, he was also president. He said, he was coming to Bible school, they taught many things. He said, the day they wanted to start their African missions, Bishop called them to go and pray. That the man stood on a spot for six hours. He said, I now know the secret. I'll leave all this one. This is the secret. That you enter into what? Prayer. You see that in agony, we'll get to it, he prayed. Agony there is not just, it is, it is representative of what you call an agon. You know back then when they used to have uh, gladiators, eh? if you enter, one person cannot, only one person comes alive. It's a nature of prayer where you, when you enter into it, you know that, listen, I, this battle I am inside, eh? only one person will survive. It's me or the devil. You today is what? Today. We die here. That's that type of thing. Do you, you get what I'm saying here? Intensity there in prayer. Then intercession is when, uh, all right, you are praying and that you are interceding for other people. And you are standing in the gap on their behalf, all right, for certain things. Now, these prayers get mixed up together. When I say mixed up, while you're praying, you can start the subject. It enters a um, prayer that and begins to make an intercession for it. Intercession there, for, for example, and that's why it says intercession for all men. For example, if, okay, let me just make it easy. So you, since you are young, you understand. If you have believed God, and I'll talk about supplication for a spouse, okay? But the spouse is in Kaura Namuda, the spouse that God has ordained, just worshiping God there not knowing that it's the will of God for him or her to be in your environment. Are you following what I'm saying? When you start, you and your father's supplication and start praying, God takes you to the place of intercession there. Once any prayer involves other people for that prayer to be answered, whoever is offering the prayer, in the prayer must make intercession for that person without their knowledge. I, do you get what I'm saying here? Because Look, I, I said this one day, when we first one of the first faith seminars we did in London, many years ago, about 12 years ago. I said to the people, I said, how many, I talked about intercession, how many of you here invited people for this program who told you they were coming last night or told you they were coming this morning and they are not here? 80% of people put up their hands. I said they were not lying. They intended to come. And when you call them, they will say, someone will say, I don't know what happened. It means that, all right, sufficient power was not released into the atmosphere to take them out of their flesh into the decision of the spirit to respond to it. And so if it is your own matter there, then God will place that burden of interceding for every single person that is involved in the answer, all right, to that prayer. Or else you will just be hearing people say that, ah, and I thought about helping you. And God told me, you know, maybe you come out of something and you say, well, I need a finance. Ah, 
it's always good to obey God. You know, God laid it on my heart. You, 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 have, you have not seen that kind of God laid it on my heart. But I just kept forgetting. I kept forgetting. That forgetting is witchcraft. Too. The demon is pulling the thought. Are you following me? That's why sometimes when you are in prayer and he puts a burden there, what he's trying to tell you is not that he hasn't answered the prayer. He's telling you that, look, the other people that are involved there, all right, the people that are involved, it's just like saying you invite somebody on Sunday morning, you invite, are you going to intercessory prayer? Because, all right, that person may have gone out the night before and they are rolling on the bed and God knows that these people are physically tired, but they had planned to come to church, but they are rolling on the bed, so somebody has to give them that spiritual energy to make them get up. Are you following what I'm saying? And when they get up and they show up, then they will tell you, you know, I didn't want to come. I didn't want to come. I was just rolling. Ah, thank God I came. What I heard would just solve the problem of my life. Now, there are many people that what was preached that they could have solved their problem, but they are rolling on the bed. And don't look at them as people that are rolling because you too are rolling. Do you know? Let me tell you this. Let me tell you one thing. Many years ago, I came to church and I was teaching or something, and I said to people, how many of you, on the average, how many months did it take you after you decided to come into this church that you actually affected it? The average was between seven months to two years. That's they carried the idea that you should go to covenant. Huh? That, oh, I saw you on television, I saw you here, and you dropped my heart, but, ah, some... Ah, to leave the church where I was was hard. So it takes intercession for those people to even be able to talk to the people and say, I want to go. And then the last one there is appreciating his goodness, which is in your lives, which is giving of thanks. Now, so one look at the prayer of supplication. All right, and this is the legal side to the prayer. Those other three there talk about an activity that is going on, but um, uh, uh, supplication is the prayer. In other words, when you have Paul, he wrote down his supplications, and he said, these are the supplications that I'm making for the church at Ephesus. And he said that God may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Another supplication, he says, I'm praying that you be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Then to Colossians, he said, the supplication, that's the supplication, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of him unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Then to the church at Philippi, he said, that your love may abound yet more. This is what I'm praying. That's the supplication there. And he wrote down the supplication. In Acts chapter 4, when they got together, they returned to their company, and he said, Lord, behold, they are threatening. What happened was together, all right, there was a supplication that they produced and gave it, all right, to God. Now, a supplication, therefore, it's a petition, which means you are asking God for something in particular. And if you read the supplications of Paul, all right, to the churches there, you can see the request. That's what Paul was saying through prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. But a supplication there, all right, is like a person going to petition. This issue here. Petition, all right, the authority in the land, let's say the judge, that um, 
this land that this person is on actually belongs to me. Now, you can't just go to a court and say, excuse me, judge. You know that. Please, this land belongs to me. How? Ah, it's my own now. It's my own. Give me. It's my own. All right? You have to get a lawyer. Now, what the lawyer does is to help you present your petition before the judge in a way that the judge will hear. Are you following what I'm saying here? In other words, that's why they call themselves learned colleagues. And it's not a lie. If a lawyer says something, the language of law is different from the language of common sense. Do you get what I'm saying? The terminology that is used is different from the language there, all right, of common sense. So Jesus as your advocate is a legal word. In other words, you have an accuser and then you have Jesus as your what? Advocate, which means he's your lawyer. The Holy Spirit, all right, is your helper. The word helper in Greek or comforter or helper has seven distinct Greek meanings, all right? One is your, it's one who stands by you, but one of them is your advocate. In other words, the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you is your advocate. And one of his major business there is to help you to offer and present, all right, your supplications before the Father in the way and manner in which you are going to get results. Now, the main point of his advocacy there in terms of presenting the supplication, we'll see, is not that God is not that. That's why he says, if you ask anything according to his will, right? In other words, if, if, if the lawyer wants to present a case, what he will do is that he will cite areas within the law. In other words, this is the constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. Therefore, according to Susan So here, and Susan So here, and called the site here, we therefore petition the court that you will grant unto us this particular request, citing areas within the law of the land, and then he hears it. Now, it's not really, really, really that God is the one I'm say here, that needs to hear. You will see that if you don't know the areas inside the law that backs up your request, you don't have faith for it. If you present that prayer and step out there and something different happens, you will say that prayer was not answered. So, the prayer of supplication is dealing with the legal aspect of the prayer. And it's from there that faith actually comes. Supplication is a type of prayer that is used in critical situations, hear what I'm saying, to petition God for the impossible. Let me repeat what I'm saying. Supplication, if you understand it, is a massive tool. It is, all right, a, a, a prayer that is offered up in very critical situations. And you are petitioning God for something that is humanly impossible. When you present the supplication before him, you will know 
on the inside of yourself that what I have asked him for, he has heard me, and what is impossible is going to materialize in my life shortly. It stresses the sense of need rather than just a desire or want, which means that person is not just a free pound that does want this. No. All right? It's a necessity there. Let's look at an example, all right, of this prayer of supplication. Because it's the prayer that appropriates from God that which is impossible. Okay? Massively impossible there. Now, if we look at it here, so it's the supplication that will cause Elijah to pray it. And for three and a half years, the earth was closed. It's a supplication. And then when it was closed and wanted to open the heavens, what he offered up was a supplication unto God. Okay? Critical moment. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to verse 4. And it came to pass also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Verse 2. And it says, And there came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, all right, they be uh, Hazazon Tamar, which is in Engadi. All right. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast. In other words, this is not that I just want victory. I need this victory or we are dead. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? This is not what I want. I need this victory or we are what? Gone. Are uh, you following what I'm saying? And Joseph had feared and seek the, uh, set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4. And Judah gathered themselves, and this is what you want to get, to ask help of the Lord. Even out of the cities of Judah, they came. So it's a prayer we find in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, when it says, let us come up to the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. And find what? Grace to help in a time of need. It's the prayer that, that someone said, no, Jonah offered up in the belly of the whale, where he said that my prayer came when he was inside the belly, an impossible situation. He took it up to God there, and he got the help of God. Now, we see Jehoshaphat also got the help of God, which means you now get the assistance of God in what you are doing. And God can't help a person and you fail. It's impossible. If you secure the help of God, you can't fail in what you're doing. So, as you get that, all right, help of God, which means God is your helper, all right, in that particular situation there. We see David also, Offering this up in Psalm 28 and verse 2. He offered up the supplication there. And David said, hear the voice of my supplication. When I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands towards thy holy oracle. Verse 9 tells us. Verse 9. Let's just go to verse 9. All right. 
save thy people. Bless thine inheritance. All right? Feed them. Sorry, let's go to seven. It's from seven. It's not, not this. Seven. 28, seven. Yes. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am what? Helped. So there's that help. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. With my song, I will sing unto him, or I will praise him. So, it is a prayer that appropriates the impossible, but it is offered up after the mind of God or the will of God is known in that situation. And I'll show how it works. So, it's after the mind of God or the will of God is known. Please, let me say something here. I was listening to Kenneth Hagin because I was listening again to him all over. And he said something Smith Wigglesworth said. And Wigglesworth was the giant of faith. You know, he was an Englishman in the 40s and 50s. He, he prophesied, all right, all the revivals that came in, okay, modern revivals. He talked about it. Well, but he said something, and, and this is true. He said, if you have to go and look for faith, when the trouble is already on, which means the trouble has come, it's then you are now saying to yourself, ah, let me go and look for it. He said it's too late. Now, let me explain this. Some of you have goals that are impossible to you now, that your head is yearning for, that you know that this thing, you will need it in 10 months' time. Huh? Start praying that prayer now. Are you following what I'm saying here? Don't wait for when it's an emergency for you to get there. Now, this is how the system works. And, I'll, and when we get to it, when you are praying in the spirit, the Holy Spirit that knows all things, knows every situation that will come into your life in the next three months, six months, one year for the entire, your entire life. And once you start praying into the, in the spirit there, and you open the word of God. That's why you should pray in the spirit regularly and read the Bible regularly. It, look, this thing is not like a magic word. You read the Bible. Because a rema, which is a, the, an appropriate scripture that fits a situation that you are facing there, that injects faith and gives you an assurance about what God will do in that situation without a shadow of doubt. You know on the inside, this is the outcome of that. You can get up and tell people, this is going to be the outcome of this particular situation. That rema is defined as, all right, the sword of the spirit, a scripture, a portion of scripture that the Holy Spirit quickens in your heart in a time of need. But the second part of the definition means the prerequisite to getting it is the regular storage of your mind with scripture. In other words, if you are praying in the Spirit and reading your Bible, the Holy Spirit, knowing what to come in three months as an emergency, will have already guided you to the scriptures that when that emergency comes, it just comes out on your heart. Let me say again, no, there is no real Christianity without prayer and reading the Bible. There is nothing like, it's not Christianity, you do know. Do you get what I'm saying here? If his pastor come and pray for me, that's not Christianity. An unbeliever can come and say, pastor come and pray for me. Do you get what I'm saying? That you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and you are practicing the supernatural lifestyle of God. You spend time praying in the Spirit every day and read your Bible. The places you go into the Bible there, you'll see that if an emergency comes, 
When I mean an emergency now, see, many years ago, one lady, she was like my account officer, she's come to church, so the account officer of church, and her husband called me, I was in the office, he said, they are taking my wife into the theater. This is a life and death matter, pastor. Can you pray? You don't have time to read the Bible. Do you get what I'm saying here? You have 15 minutes to 25 minutes to do something. As I entered, I entered into the studio upstairs, which was soundproof. I didn't tell you, I just got up, entered. As I got there, God just told me straight away, don't start just praying in tongues. First of all, speak the relevant scriptures from your heart over this matter until faith is imparted and start praying. If you don't have the scripture, it's too late. Are you following what I'm saying here? Dr. Carvedola said he was, was going somewhere and, uh, to preach for a person, and they went through, all right, and the chap was well, but another woman was coming, her child was, her child was in a critical condition, so she jumped, all right, the, the traffic light, and she was coming on top street. She, if she had seen the car, she, she smashed, the car spawned, this many years ago, spawned and all of that. He said he didn't know when he found himself outside the car. All he just saw was a white bean. And next thing, he was four people died in the accident. He said he called his wife. The first thing the wife said is that we have been, caught, we have been confessing for 15 years. Our scripture about the Lord is our life in our path. There's no death at all. He said, you just saw it now. You can't start confessing when the, you don't even know the car is coming. So how do you now confess or pray? The car has already, are you following what I'm saying? Is it when a plane shakes and it looks like it's going down that you are going to look for the Bible? What's the appropriate scripture for this plane that is shaking? Are you understand? If the plane shakes, if you already have the scriptures, your heart, you yourself, you'll be impressed at yourself. But how come I didn't shake? Anybody that is saying, Magabo, Magabo, doesn't have any scripture. All those people don't have scripture. Oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! Hey! In fact, they are shouting, can bring that pain. <laughs> they don't have scripture. A person that has scripture is in a whisper. Because there will be an assurance on the inside of them. Reverend Emiko said, I was going to have traveling ministry. I knew I would go on the road traveling. He said, so before I, one day I went to see him. In, this was in 19,000. I sat down with him. His driver, the person who brought his driver came. I think the person who got the driver for him. He said, I was warning the guy. Tell him, that man you brought, he can kill a person. He said, if not, he brought that Bible. If not that God showed me, before I started ministry, when I was going to go on ITM ministry, I went to meet him to get the judgment from him that I will never die on the road. He said, this is the judgment he gave me. That you're going out, you shall be blessed. And in your coming, in, you shall be blessed. He said, if not for that, this man, the way he was driving, <laughs> When I was in Lagos, I went to get Archbishop Idaza to come and preach. He, we entered this guy in well, it was Durban Hotel, first act then. We were coming. And time was away. He told his driver, he said, What in the car? There was a hold of cars, you know, in Lagos. He said, Press the accelerator. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting beside the driver said, Sir, but where is it? He said, Press the accelerator. I told you when I'm inside this car, you move at the fastest is possible. The man looked, Sir, Press the accelerator. <laughs> He said, the covenant I have with God, speed or slowness doesn't determine my safety. 
Now, I want to tell you something, Reverend Miko. When you enter the bus with people, you know people say, let us pray before we go. He used to say, you don't need to pray. If you already have the judgment of God, you should have prayed before you came here. And God has given you judgment. It's not that you are now there saying, God, I hope when we go out there. In fact, that prayer can make everybody afraid. Say, let my arm robbers meet us on the road. Someone that was not thinking about arm robbers was not thinking that arm robbers Lord, may keep not carry us before this year ends. <laughs> All right? So it's an assurance that comes. That's why it says labor to enter into what? Rest. That labor should have been done privately. So the request lines up with what is God's intent in that particular situation. When you know God's will on a particular matter, you will have faith for it, even though the thing is impossible. Now, if you don't know what is God's will on a matter, you won't have faith. Even if it's, if it's close, huh? you still will not have faith. Whether the probability is, is, is very high, you still will not have faith. If there's no probability of it happening, but there's been an impartation of God's knowledge, the knowledge of God's will in you, you will be in a place of assurance concerning it. So a supplication is a petition for something definite, all right, from God. It can be best described as a written request. And on, on Sunday, while I was meditating on this message, it just came to me, you know, because we've been talking about um, Feast of Tabernacle season there. And it just came to me like, you know, to be saying these things without uh, crystallizing. So I will write a petition for people, and you can use it as a guideline, to pray in this season. Because the Bible says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of latter rain. So if there's a season for something, you need to go to God, which means that if you pray certain prayers, certain things will happen. So all the elements that have to do with the Feast of Tabernacle, which means the season of ingathering, all right, into your life, you are praying those things there. For example, uh, the Bible says that, and they were praising God in the temple, and they had favor with men, such that God added to them daily. Anybody that God will bring people, you must have favor with people. So in this season, you mustn't think people don't like you. You must think people like you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because many of you think people don't like you. So, and if you think it, you radiate that thing out. You can't be thinking nobody likes me. You have to think everybody what likes me. The person that doesn't like you should be surprised. That what's wrong with you? Are you okay? What, I mean, what? You, mean, you, told, you saw me, you didn't like me. Not that. Ah, somebody now liked you and said, you are the only one. Only one. This world is full of evil. You are the only one. So it can be best described as a written request. Now, writing things down is spiritual. Let me say that. Uh, someone said, I can't write my prayer. Look, it's just me and the Holy Ghost. All right. How come, how come Paul wrote all those prayers? A supplication can be written. Are you following me here? That's why when you want to petition a court, they write down the thing they want to do. He says, that's why he says, write down the vision, make it plain. 
Why do you think he told Moses, write these things down? Why do you think this? When John, he saw him on the island of the, he says, write these things. God, if, if nobody wrote, you know there'll be no scripture. Just think about it. And one of our problems in Africa is that we don't write books. You see, abroad, they understand the power of writing. If anybody goes into government and has an experience in government, he will write down his experience. The reason why they write is that other people should do what? Learn from it. I, mean, I was reading a person who wrote The Fog of War, and he was, he was during the war in Vietnam. And he said he was 94 years old when he wrote. He said, look, we defended that war to our core. He said, we made mistakes. He said, coming generations mustn't make this mistake. Let me write down what happened. Inside the Oval Office when we were making the decision, he said, it's called the fog of war. He said, once there's an issue, he said, there's a fog there. He said, if you don't get yourself out of the fog, you just start making wrong decisions. So writing, writing down is spiritual. Paul wrote down his petitions. Uh, that's why we can read them and pray them today. Uh, the church there, the petition must have been written because they all came in one accord. You can't come in one accord and pray something if it's not written. How can all of us not? Oh yeah, let's all pray for the, for the deliverance of this. Now, let's start. Oh yeah, in English, everybody will just be saying, that, God, deliver this person. Make sure the angel... You can't say it in one accord. That means you have to what? Agree that this is the prayer. Then all of you came. So they wrote it down and they took the prayer and offered it up. That's why when they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, this is the prayer. He gave them a format for praying. So writing things down makes them real to you as a person. They become real to you. Uh, all right. I mean, I think they did it in Harvard, and they found out that people they asked to write down their vision about their future, where they'll be in, in 25 years. So those who wrote it down, they, they checked. The people that wrote it down, they checked. All right, 95% of them fulfilled it. Those that didn't write it down, all right, 95% of them did not fulfill those things. Writing is, is spiritual. So it's a petition that is addressed to God, which means you are looking to God alone to cause that particular thing to happen. And through that, we secure, all right, uh, the help of God. Now, the major hindrance, and I think this is where I, I will stop today and just talk about how, how, how you get um, the petition here. Now, the major hindrance, or one of the major hindrances in prayer, or you can say if you are double-minded about something, and that means you are not in faith for it, one. You can say if you have unforgiveness in your heart, two. All right? But I think the one that is most tricky for Christians is what James said in James 4 and verse 3. He said, you have not because you ask not. He said, when you ask, you receive not because you ask amiss that you may do what? Consume it upon your lust. Now, so people now have serious headache to see whether, am I consuming this thing? Is it for my, because look, if you leave those kind of scriptures hanging, then there's always a cop out if your prayer is not answered. In other words, anybody can just come and meet you and tell that, well, it's because you asked that miss. You wanted to consume it. Your, your thoughts were not pure. So when, how will I know, all right, when the stuff is there? We have to clarify that in the hearts of people, which means when are you in total alignment with God? Because the person who gets impossible things done with ease, they're in perfect, all right, alignment with God. So it's the spirit of God who actually helps you 
in making that adjustment. Now, we saw that Jesus Christ, so if there's an issue, and this, so this, well, the Spirit of God will help you to make the adjustment so that when you pray, you are, you are in perfect alignment with God. And you could see that Jesus himself wasn't in perfect alignment at some point. When he said, Father, eh, this thing you are saying, look, uh, can this cup pass over me? God said, no. Then he went and said and entered into prayer and said, not my own will, but let your own will be what? Done. So he, he had to bring his will in alignment with God's will. You see, if you are not in alignment with God's will, let me tell you this, eh? if you are not in alignment with God's will, and God wants you to live in America, hmm? and you get to the America, say, this, I want to live here. But because it is to consume it on your own lust, they may not find you again. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? You have gone with people. Okay? If, if Peter's will was not adjusted, after he caught an abundance of fish, he would have said, the reason why I gave my boat to Jesus has been fulfilled. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Isn't that what they do? I haven't seen people can come to church. They get a breakthrough. They become multi-millionaires in dollars. They say, we are finished while we came to church. Let's be going now. <laughs> uh, didn't you see the man whose ground brought plenty? What did he do? He said, ah, look, there's no trouble again. Let's go and pack this thing. Which means that, all right, they got it, but the real will of God for Peter wasn't just that stuff. So the will of God for you in United States of America may be that he wants you to start a ministry inside a place at a large church. But you have followed a black American woman. You followed her. <laughs> and we can't find you again. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? But that may be the will of God all right, for you as a person there that he wants. So what happens is that he says, you know, you want to consume meat or not. So the Holy Ghost wants to make that adjustment on the inside of you. And so what happens is this, because when you offer up a supplication, you see, um, um, Elijah offered the secret to Elijah was that Elijah was in alignment with God. That was the secret to his prayer. He said, why was his prayer so powerful that he shut the heavens for three years and he shut the heavens for this? The reason is, all right, like the moon, the moon in itself doesn't have light in itself. It's just when it's in alignment with the sun there, it begins. So when you yourself are not, you are not light in yourself, but when you are in alignment with God, you are the brightness of his glory. Do you get what I'm saying here? Or the express image of his person. So the secret to fit, doing supernatural feats is that you are in alignment there with God there. Okay, so what was the secret to Elijah? Elijah first, all, he had inside information. He heard the sound of the abundance of rain first. Do you get what I'm saying? Then he said, let's go and pray about it, but he had heard the sound. If there was no sound, he wouldn't go and pray. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, because only him heard the sound, what happened was that when you prayed, you say, Kai, Kai. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, listen, you see clouds, you say what? Rain is coming. Is it, uh, now, if somebody sees the clouds and come out and says, it's going to rain shortly, and then it starts raining. Ah, you look, if you don't, now let's just say you are so ignorant. 
they just brought you to the earth. Okay? And you just see clouds. And then and someone says, listen, rain is going to fall soon. Move into the house. That's what I'm talking about. And just walking and playing. And then rain starts. You say, Kai. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? But all you did was to speak in alignment to the movements. Jesus said, if you can descend the face of the sky, how come you can't descend this time? In other words, to every time there's a purpose. So what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to show you what that time wants to give birth to in your life. Align yourself with that and... Are you following me? Then they say that, man, man, all right? So, what does the Holy Spirit do? In Romans chapter 8, and that's why you start praying in the Spirit. You know, Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will do what? Pray in your understanding. You know he said that. So, before you pray in your understanding, you must have first prayed in the Spirit. Okay? Ah, you people are, are deep. Them, so, we can even go further. So, so, praying in the understanding is an interpretation of what you prayed in the Spirit. That's why it says, if any man prays, let him ask for an interpretation. What he does, in fact, if you are going to do ministry in future, that I was saying this in the pastor, if you are going to do it in future, just know this here, okay? Just understand this. You can read the Bible, and God will give you knowledge. But every message you preach to people must be a result of tongues and interpretation. Are you following me saying that? Because when you are praying in tongues for the people, for interceding for them, you are saying the Holy Ghost inside you is making intercession for them according to the will of God. So every detail that is going on in their lives, the Holy Spirit is making the intercession. Let me tell you something that happened to me. On Sunday, I was preaching in Lekki. An example came to my mind to say, if fitted the message, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit said, don't use that example. Don't use it. It's perfect fit. I said, don't use it. I deviated from it. I went and used something else. As I got down, one of the pastors just came to me and said, you need to pray for somebody in church. They just had this particular, if I had said that thing I would have said, those people would have burst out into tears. It would have come out cruel. Do you get what I'm saying here? So you, you can say what is right in your mind, but it is demonic as far as the mind of Christ is concerned. That's why Peter went to meet Jesus. He said, Jesus said, I'm going to die. Ah, it would have been okay at some point to tell you we're going to fight for you. But at that point, Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me. In other words, who will know that? That is the will for me to go and die. How can they know? You, that you have been partying, you have been commanding the storms, commanding this. They came to carry you. They came, the whole crowd. You just moved in their midst, invisible. They were looking for you and say, Carl, what kind of man is this? See your God, see your God. Carl, yeah. Now, you are saying it is the will for them to strip you naked. And we see your God naked like this. Do something, do something. They themselves, without understanding God's will, would doubt that this man we have been following. <laughs> you, think, you think they can't doubt? <laughs> Listen, may some things not happen without your having prayed. You will doubt the thing you are following. Yes, sir. You doubt it. Oh. 
John the Baptist, didn't he ordain Jesus? Nobody else in the world knew except him. He said, the Lamb of God that taketh the sin of the world. When they locked him up, he said, go and ask that, that man, is he, is he the Jesus or should we wait for another? If Jesus took his identity from his ordination, he would have, he would have been confused. That's why you can't take identity from anybody. Are, are you following what I'm saying here? Your identity must come from God. Even friends, what friends can change. Are you, you understand? So let me just quote here. So Romans 8.26 says, So the Holy Spirit himself helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what to do, what? Pray. You see, that's the supplication. As we what? Ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that said, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, so he's prayed according to the will of God. So you see, is that thing that he has prayed there, that when you now go to the scriptures there, that the Holy Spirit now wants to reveal to you, will continue. Now that I know you people are deep like this, eh? will continue. Right? But the Holy Spirit, all right, through tongues and interpretation, will give you, all right, that will continue there next week. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word, and by the power of your Spirit, I ask you to establish this truth in our country.